I can't get enough. Got a space in my tackle box, just got to fill it up. More love, I can't ever stop. Don't got a basement, got an underground tackle shop. I am Lucy, the Lorematic computer. Welcome to the Lure Love Podcast with your hosts, John, Crappy Hippie King, and Tim, Tacklebox Beat. Guys, have you noticed how when anglers are in a boat, they often cast towards the bank? And when anglers are on the bank, they cast out into deeper water. Nobody seems to be happy with where they're located. Oh, heck yes, Lucy. I mean, this is one of the most popular observations on fishing. It drives people who fish from shore to do crazy things, you know, like ice fish or buy waders or get one of them belly boats. I mean, anything to get offshore. And then the flip side is the dedicated big boat basser who finds himself sneaking a kayak into the garage when their buddies aren't around so they can fish the skinny water. Look, no one likes where they're at unless they're catching fish. And when we're not catching, we sometimes think the fish are just past the place where our cast can reach. I mean, I do a lot of pond fishing and other shore fishing, and I've had that experience. This is so true, John. I recently saw a video on BassResource.com about this very topic. And what was interesting, it was about where you fish and then the difference in your lure choices. Because depending on where you're standing and casting out that lure, that may impact the type of lure you want to use. And the video was by pro angler Drew Cook. And it was about the best crankbaits to use when you're fishing from the shore. That is a good topic, you know, because water depth, you know, we're talking about fishing uphill or downhill. So if you're casting from a boat towards shore, the water typically is getting deeper as you reel the lure in. But if you're casting out from the bank, the water is getting shallower as you reel in your lure. So you'll all want to consider using different lure types. Plus, when you're bank fishing, Drew mentioned that you're probably not going to take as many crankbaits with you when you're on the bank is you are in a boat. So picking the right ones is more important. We've talked about that before. If you're on a stream waiting, you're not going to take 14 tackle boxes with you, but if you're out on that boat, you can just use my Daiwa tackle barn and bring 69 pounds of lures out with you. So it makes it a little bit easier. Oh, totally true. And I'll tell you, if you do try to carry all that stuff to the stream, you'll, you'll learn, you'll know better next time. So Well, I want to hear what Drew recommended. What did he recommend? Well, first he recommended a lipless crankbait because you can cast it out, let it sink to the depth you want, and then retrieve it. It's easier to keep a lipless crankbait at different depths than a crankbait with a lip that's designed to dive to a specific depth. If you're casting out something that's going to dive to five feet, you're going to be at five feet most of the way in where that lipless, you can really like an elevator, you can let it sink to where you want and then bring it in. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, uh, that's why it's one of the most popular cranks out there. You know, I mean, I've had the same problem, you know, the crankbait's doing fine until that last 10 feet of retrieve where you're digging into the bottom. And instead of riding over the weeds and snags, like you wanted to, you know, you end up getting snagged. And of course that's more painful when you're on shore because your ability to get it unsnagged is way less than a person in a boat. Sometimes we want it to dig in when we want it bouncing off the rocks and so on. A lot depends on the depth of water and the amount of structure under the water. But like you say, if you're going to do a medium retrieve with a a crankbait with such and such a lip, it's going to run at five feet or 10 feet or whatever it's made to do. And there's not a whole lot you can do about that and maintain the speed you want to maintain. That's a good point about the structure 
under the water too, John, because if you're fishing in a newer pond, like the pot, my test pond is fairly new compared to a lot of the ponds I fish at, which means there's not as much structure in it. You don't have as much wood and debris and lay downs that have, have fallen into there. So I can let a crankbait, a lipless crankbait drop to near the bottom, and then I can bring it in. So I'm not going to snag because I don't have all the things in there where you might be in a different pond that has those in uh, the lay downs, the wood, and you may be snagging. But what I like to do is you can count down each time you cast in that lure to fish different depths. So if you count to 10 and that lipless crankbait hits the bottom, then I bring it in. The next time I can count to eight and bring it in and then six and four. And what I'm doing is I'm fishing those different depths to see are those bass in there suspended or the other fish? Because as you know, sometimes those fish are hanging out at a depth that we don't think about. There's no use fishing with top water if those bass or the other fish are down 20 feet. They are just not going to see it. And there's no use fishing at 20 feet if all those bass are up at the top. I can count to 999 septillion, and it only takes me one nanosecond, so I always retrieve my lure when it's still on the surface. Heavy sigh. Okay, one of my favorite tricks is to fish neither uphill or down, but to cast parallel to the pond bank. Uh, back in the day, down in the Ozarks, I know I talk about the Ozarks an awful lot, but it's the best world-renowned fishing spot that's within driving distance of me or sensible driving distance of me. But when you got those lakes with those real bluff-type uh, rock faces and big, long, rocky banks and so on, they would call it uh, Arkansas on a bank. So you pull up and, and your boat and you snug it up against the shore and basically perform like a shore fisher and throw it parallel to the bank. So it's not going uphill or down. It's running. If you're finding fish at about three feet deep, you know, you can just fish a whole lot of three foot water depth throwing parallel rather than going up or downhill. And that's why Drew suggests uh, a shallow diving crankbait for his second bank fishing recommendation. Specifically, he likes the spro Fat Papa Square Bill. Now, I haven't tried those yet, uh, but I did recently buy some XPS Super Shallow Crankbaits from Bass Pro Shop. And these are perfect for that parallel casting along the bank that you're talking about. The XPS cranks are two and a quarter inches long and they weigh three quarters of an ounce. You can twitch them on top or you can kind of skim them above that subsurface cover. And what's most interesting to me about these baits is that they only dive down a few feet. It's only going to dive about two feet. They have a large square bill that's almost perpendicular to the rest of the bait. And that square bill is just large enough that when the treble hooks right up against the body, when you retrieve it, that square bill totally protects the hooks, reducing the likelihood you'll hang up on something. And for the ponds I fish in, that's a key when casting into shallow water. Plus, I fish a lot of these shallow rivers and creeks, and I think they're going to work great there too. The XPS Super Shallow Crankbait also uses something that I had not seen before, a T-shaped belly hook that rides flat against the underside of the bait. Okay, Tim, what do you mean by T-shaped? John, you know how on most treble hooks, each point is the same distance from the others? Kind of like a triangle? Yeah, I know what you mean, Lucy. Well, on the front treble hook of the XPS crank, two of the points are in a straight line, so when they ride up against the body, they don't scratch the lower surface or dull the hook points. It's a very interesting feature. 
Okay, so you're saying basically two of the hook points are riding on the same plane. I'm looking at a picture of one right now. I see what you're talking about, Lucy. I see that. That's, that gives it that T shape because they're in the exact same plane. They're not angled, and that gives them uh, the ability to snug right up against the belly of that lure. Also, yeah, it, it, with the big lip, um, they're kind of sheltered from um, striking into stuff. And, and, and yeah, it's pretty interesting. There's also a company called Decoy who sells the T-shaped belly hooks by themselves. So you could retrofit your existing crankbaits if you wanted. I haven't used them, but I found them online and we'll include a link to those in the show notes too. Well, I had to go ahead and pop that link and yeah, it was pretty cool. And it looked like they had some kits, like um, some um, double hooks and treble hooks and stuff. Anyway, you, they're, they're trying to get you into some hooks that'll that'll make those crankbaits yeah keep that hook as close to the body because what somebody will fish at crankbait will tell you is you want chicken out and slow down and let those hooks swing down you know you're coming into a brush pile and you want to rip that through that brush pile rip it keep it keep it wiggling keep those hooks slapped up against the body of that bait and and make sure that that uh, it's got a lot of speed so when that that lip hits a branch you know it'll tilt forward and come over the top of it real quick and and then drop down again but guys that are super super good with them boy you watch them rip brush you'd swear they're using a texas rig or something coming through there like that and i can't tell you how many times i've been in a river and i I cast a little bit further than i wanted over onto the other side of that log or branch that's in the water and then instead of ripping it you get up close and then you try to pop it over and all you do is you set the hook as hard as you can right into that branch and there's no way you're ever going to get it out again whereas if i had reeled it fast from the beginning and it dived down it probably would have bounced over but i have done that a lot of times and really learned the hard way you need to persevere and rip that thing over the top oh absolutely it's real easy to be brave and bold sitting here in front of a microphone but boy when you're down there looking at the possibility of losing an eight dollar crank you know sometimes you just lose your nerve no foul no shame no problem but yeah be brave folks be bold i'll let you know how the bass pro XPS super shallow crankbaits work in a future episode. Plus, I plan to get my hands on the Spro Fat Papa Square Bills mentioned by Drew. And uh, we'll leave a link to his video in the show notes and to the Spro baits too. Hello? Wow, crappy hippie, that's incredible. Congratulations. Lucy, guess what? Crappy hippie and Angie Scott just won a bass tournament in Florida, and one of the prizes was a boat. They won a tournament? Yes, he said it was the world-renowned Scratch My Bass Tournament put on by the Florida Lottery Commission. Scratch your what? Scratch My Bass. Crappy Hippie says it's probably the most brilliant competition in the history of fishing. Next thing you'll be telling me is that they pay out in scratch lottery tickets instead of cash. That's exactly what they do. Isn't it awesome? And guess what, Lucy? I'm afraid to guess. Crappy Hippie says he's going to sail his big bass prize boat to Ohio and give it to me. We're going to have so much fun. I'm even going to design a life jacket for you. Maybe even a roller bench mount so you can fish either side of the boat. Oh, this is going to be so great. Tim? I think I need to put either a dragon or a carp figure on the prow. Tim? What about a motor? A 200 horsepower Mercury? 
Oh, no, wait, that Johnson Seahorse 2.5 that the former owners of this house left behind in 1983. It's still hanging in the garage. Tim. Decal or paint? The Lure Love logo has to be on it. Big and bold. (laughs) Tim, do I have your attention now? Yes, Lucy? I have bad news. What is it? It is not possible to sail a boat from Florida to Dayton, Ohio. It's not? No, it is not. Uh Uh-oh. I talked to Angie. She told me her experience fishing a tournament with Crappy Hippie was unexpected. However, she did say that it was a tournament like no other. I wonder what she meant? I don't know how you talked me into this stuff. What? 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 It was legit. I mean, we won. We won. We won the Lotto Scratch My Bass tournament. I mean, didn't we? Of course we won. There were four other teams. One was a troop of performing dogs. One was a Wiccan priestess who fished blindfolded dangling crystals an inch above the water. Oh, yeah, that gal. I loved her incense and the chanting. Oh, my. Crappy hippie, focus, please. And the final team was a group of stoners who thought they had bought stage passes to a fish concert, as in the band, as in they came to see a musical performance, as in they had to improvise rods out of coat hangers in order to compete. Hey, they had their chance. Heck, they got a bluegill. Stellar competition. But we got the big payout, fair and square. Yeah, and Bitcoin and lottery tickets. Well, I thought Bitcoin was good. This isn't what they mean by Bitcoin. It's a cloth sack with bits of coins in it. Oh, well, well, some of those look old. Yeah, they're mostly old bus tokens. Well, see, they're totally valuable. You know, there are times when I wish an eye roll would make noise. And what about the scratchers tickets? They are so awesome. I mean, we won 7000 Yeah, when you told me 7000 I thought you meant $7,000. These aren't even real lotto tickets. They're issued by the Lottery Commission of Flormidia. They are official. It said right there on the form, O hyphen, H hyphen, fish hyphen, all. Flormidia isn't a real place. Oh, touche, Ange, it is too. It happens to be where the King of Florida lives. What? The King of Florida. I got an email about it. An email? A forwarded email. Well, that makes it true. Hashtag not true. These weren't even normal scratchers. They were the size of school carnival tickets. And we scratched off tickets for over seven hours. And what did we get besides massive eye strain from trying to read the tiny type on each one? Well, you got microwave cheese Danish for life from Dixie Mart, and I got a boat. It's one cheese Danish a week from a particular Dixie Mart in Sarasota, just four hours from my house. And the fine print says for life. Or the next two years, whichever comes first. Well, the boat is cool. It's a 10-foot semi-V with no trailer, no drain plug, and one of the oars is broken. Okay, well, it's not just the boat. I mean, come on, most of the tickets were winners. We got a bunch of prizes, including more scratchers. A bunch of prizes? More scratchers? We didn't even get real Florida Lotto scratchers tickets, but actual back scratchers. We won a tiny boat some microwave Danish, and 5,000 back scratchers. Oh, man, winning scratchers off scratchers. I mean, you can't help but appreciate the irony of that. Uh, Yeah, I can. Look, don't be mad just because I took the big bass grand prize. I caught a seven-pounder off one of your glass water angling prototypes, and you caught a bass-shaped pillow. Hey, they let me weigh it. 
Uh, well, you know, at a penalty because it couldn't be released. That waterlogged pillow weighed 44 pounds. Even with the penalty, you thrashed everyone. You know, I wonder where it came from. Probably one of those units. Units? Trailers. One of the 1,500 trailers that were all around us. Tournament was set on a 10-acre lake in the middle of a gator-friendly trailer park. Oh, heck yeah. I totally loved it. I mean, I had no trouble scoring a hot dog and a beer in that place. Those folks were great. You know, I can't believe the judges didn't even know the world record largemouth is half that size. Don't worry, Angie. I'm going to get that record. I saw the digital scales were official to the kingdom of Flormidia. It was written right on the side and nail polish. And I sent a tissue sample off to the state of Florida for verification. I just shook my head so hard I hurt my neck. All right, look, Angie, so there's no hard feelings. You can have the boat. John, didn't you notice we were fishing out of a luxury 21-foot bay reef, completely decked out with full power and state-of-the-art electronics? Oh, I sure did. What a classy ride. But I didn't know that was yours. I thought it was more of a, you know, borrow it and bring it back before anyone notices type thing. Uh, no. I don't need those sorts of shenanigans to get a boat, nor the potential criminal record. Freedom Boat Club sponsors me, and they let me have this boat to use. Woohoo! Yo, yo, go Freedom. What a groovy company. That is too cool. Yeah, Freedom Boat Club's pretty awesome. They've been really good to me. I'm super blessed. So is that that club that has the places all around the country, and you can just kind of, if you're in the club, show up and get a boat? Yep, it's the hassle-free alternative to boat ownership. Wow, wow, wow. That is fantastic. With all them boats, I guess you don't need another boat. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I don't. Oh, well, I guess I'll just sail it to Ohio and give it to Tim. Crappy hippie, you can't sail to... Huh? Never mind. The real problem's getting home. A gator got my ditty bag with my money and my credit card. Oh, no, and I maxed out my card on all this welcome to Flormidia tourist wear. Now what are we going to do? Just call on crappy hippie. I've got you covered. Do tell. Well, you know all those back scratcher tickets? I cashed them in and got a giant box of assorted bass scratchers. As I was leaving the prize warehouse trailer, I met Grover Hawker, the flea market prince. (laughs) I did not know so many royals lived in Florida. Anyhow, he was a super nice guy. We haggled a bit, but in the end, I sold him the whole load. For $5,000? Uh, no. For $500? Uh, not quite. Not quite? More like 5,000 pennies. Here's a coffee can for you, and here's one for me. 50 bucks all in pennies. Oh, gee, Angie, you're turning sort of red. There's no need for tears of joy. It's just 50 bucks. Anyhow, I know we have to get going. Breathe, Angie. Breathe. (sighs) Remember, he is your friend, and murder is a crime, even in Florida. I have one last surprise. I'm truly afraid. Grover Hawker, the flea market prince, didn't get all the back scratchers. I slipped two out of the box when he wasn't looking. Now, I have a skeletal arm here that glows in the dark and a telescoping winged victory made out of faux pewter. I don't like the skeletal one. Okay, well, then you can have the winged victory. I mean, it is more appropriate. I would feel just terrible if back itch inaccessibility got in the way of your LBAA win. Oh, you're a sweet guy. I did have fun fishing together. I got a new PB off one of your lures, a reason to drive to Sarasota, and two cans of pennies. Really? How could I stay mad at you? As for the cash, I'm going to need these for my ride home. Your ride home? Uh, don't, don't you mean our ride home? 
well, you were sailing to Ohio, remember? I think that's the Grand Canal for Media right over there, so you can get started. Oh, well, okay, that's cool. Uh, I guess I'll see you soon. All right, have fun. Bye-bye. Hey, 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 wait, wait, wait. Okay. I'm going to buy food and stuff and... Dang it. But you took all my fishing gear, too. Oh, well. I wonder what the national anthem of the Kingdom of Flormedia goes like. I guess I best get this boat in the canal and get going. Now Angie knows what I have to deal with all the time. You can check out Angie's Woman Angler and Adventurer podcast at thewomanangler.com. And you can find more info about the Freedom Boat Club at www.freedomboatclub.com. Warning, warning, Lure News Alert, Lure News Alert. The Major League Fishing website published an article about the top 10 baits from the Toyota Series Pro Bass Tournament at Sam Rayburn Reservoir in Texas. The article showed the baits used by the top 10 finishers in the tournament. Oh, really? That's some good information. All right, come on, Tim. Let us in on it. Let us in on it. Glenn Webb, who took first place, used a Shane's Baits The Dominator Umbrella Rig with Kitex Swing Impact Swim Baits on 3 ounce Stanley jig heads for his three allowable hooks. Second place finisher Derek Mundy favored an Azuma Shaker Z lipless crankbait. Dakota Ebert, who took fourth, was partial to a Carolina-rigged Zoom Superfluke soft plastic. Brett Cannon liked a 6-cent Provoke 106X jerkbait in the Wabi Sabi color, along with the Six Sense Divine swim baits in both umbrella rig and single hook swim bait arrangements. We'll drop a link to the article in the show notes so you can read about the other top six finishers in the tournament and the lures they fished with. You know, have you noticed how many articles there are about top 10 this or best that? That is an astute observation, John. Companies are concerned with search engine optimization so that their online articles will show up in Google searches more often. Because anglers often search for terms such as top bass baits or best panfish lures, savvy marketers use those terms in the titles they publish. That is so true. The Outdoor Life website is perfecting its search engine optimization by publishing eight best of articles in March. Eight articles! The articles include the best walleye lures of 2022, Best saltwater lures of 2022, best swim baits for bass of 2022, best baits for striped bass of 2022, best fly fishing vests of 2022, best tankara rods of 2022, and the best fishing coolers of 2022. Plus, there's even the best fillet knives of 2022. Wow, the best fillet knives. Now, that's the kind of optimism I like. Yeah, I guess if you're going to buy the fillet knife, you better have the right lures to catch the fish that can be filleted. This is a lot of best of articles. And, you know, you and I have talked about this before, but it's pretty tough in most lure categories to pick a top lure or two. So much depends on where you're fishing, how you're fishing, the water color, 
your moon phases, the wind speed, what you ate for breakfast, whether your lucky color is pink, and a slew of other very scientific factors. True indeed, true indeed. But then I'm sure Outdoor Life knows its search engine optimization better than us. Yeah, I guess maybe we should copy them and do more best of stories. But we'd want ours to be more unique, not those run-of-the-mill top 10 lure stories. Absolutely right. We are unique individuals. Our podcast stands out. We don't want to be lumped in with all those huge, profitable, well-respected websites and publications. Oh, no, no, no. We march to the beat of a different drummer. And it's not even a drummer at all, John. We march to the beat of a different a different bassist, like Denny Lee from the band Rush. Oh, yeah, totally. Or like Geezer Butler from Black Sabbath. Yeah, rock on, Tim, rock on. Okay, John, try this on for size. Next up is the top lure accident story of 2022. Oh, yeah. Now that's what I'm talking about. It's from the Bangor Daily News. In the article, angler Leighton Wass tells the story of fishing for lake trout at Jordan Pond on Mount Desert Island, Maine. Now, John, I've been to Jordan Pond, and it's a beautiful area. A beautiful place for a lure accident, I suspect. You are correct, pod bro. Layton shares that once he was ice fishing with his brother Stan at Jordan Pond, he was jigging with one of those huge red and white daredevil spoons, and he hooked a lake trout. Now, the fish wasn't very large, so he decided to pull it out of the hole by yanking on the line. That was a huge mistake. Partway out of the hole the five-inch epiger lure unhooked from the lake trout flew up toward him and lodged itself perfectly inside one of his nostrils. Leighton says that once Stan stopped laughing, he carefully removed the heavy lure from his brother's nose. Is that a true story? John, it was published in the Bangor Daily News, which is a family-owned business now in its fourth generation of ownership. The company was founded in 1889, by the great-grandfather of the current publisher, Richard J. Warren. Bangor Publishing has produced Maine's newspaper of record, the Bangor Daily News, for more than 130 years. Yeah, Lucy, but was it a true story? Yes, John, it is a true story. I checked. So, John, it appears that a daredevil is the best lure to get stuck in your nose in 2022. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, for one, it's so cool looking. You could just leave it there, right? I mean, awesome. But, uh, you know, and another thing is you wouldn't want like a salted or a scented bait to go up your nose. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, you don't want a Berkeley Gulp Alive Minnow up your nose or a Boyd's Bites Garlic Lizard up your nose. I mean, it's the fear of that happening that causes me to carry those long hemostats in my kit. And John, how would you rate the nose as an orifice in which to get a lure stuck. Is it in the top five? I'm sure our listeners want to know so they can plan for their future fishing trips. You know how embarrassing it can be to get a lure stuck in your nose that's not in the top five orifices. It's just embarrassing. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But really, man, this, this is a toughie. I mean, come on, you know. I mean, I think nose absolutely makes the top five, but not number one. That would be sitting on a Zara spook that's propped up in a boat seat. <laughs> Man, you should have seen the looks I got at the emergency room. They were like, how do you even drive over here? You know, stuff like that. Uh, well, anyway, so you'd think the waste elimination port on the other side of the body would be too small, but 
I'm pretty sure somebody's managed it. I mean, extra points for difficulty. Now, mouth, that's all too common and obvious. And some people even hold lures in their mouths when they need an extra hand. Some will even put a lead lure weight in their mouth. And that explains a lot in terms of how some people back a boat, or get delusional about their relationship with Bill Dance, or, or predict a fish for sure on the next cast 400 times in a row. So I am giving the nostril the number three slot right behind the below the waist exit ports, but ahead of ear and mouth coming in at four and five each. Excellent work. Excellent work. Well, this is the current top lure accident of 2022. We are counting on our listeners to get a lure stuck in an equally interesting orifice in the coming months. So stay tuned and please report back to us if you have a good story. Oh, man. And this story just in, Tim, top bridge trout of 2022. Top bridge trout? I have no idea what that even means. So it must be unique. Please continue, John. Okay, so the Outdoor Life website, which is well known for its best of articles, ran a story about Dylan Hayes, who was stuck in a traffic jam on I-70 in Glenwood Canyon, Colorado. Because traffic had stopped, Dylan decided to take out his fishing rod he keeps in the back of his truck and threw a lure 20 feet down into the river below. Right off, he hooked a rainbow trout, and after setting the hook, passed the rod to his buddy and hand-lined the fish up onto the bridge, just as traffic started up again. Now, it was unclear whether the other drivers were honking to get him moving or for congratulations on a job well done. It was obviously because Dylan is the king of bridge trout fishing. Why else would they honk? Oh, obviously, obviously. I mean, I agree, Tim. We contacted Dylan to find out which lure is the best to catch trout off a bridge during a traffic jam. None of the news outlets or social media posts asked Dylan that critical question. What lure was he using? What lure was it? Dylan told us he caught the trout on a one-eighth ounce jig with a Slayer Fluke-style swim bait from Frostbite Fishing. We'll drop a link to their baits in the show notes. Very interesting. So the Slayer Fluke-style swim bait from Frostbite Fishing is clearly the best bridge trout lure on the market. I wonder if they advertise that on the package. And Lucy, could you tell us what are the top bridge types from which to catch trout? Yes, I can, Tim. The seven best types of bridges from which to catch fish are the arch bridge, the beam bridge, the cantilever bridge, the suspension bridge, the cable state bridge, the tide arch bridge, and the truss bridge. Now, Lucy, you said best bridge from which to catch fish, not catch trout. Was that an oversight? No, Tim, it was not an oversight. I do not have oversights or make mistakes. I am a supercomputer. Get with the program already. Those are the top seven bridge types from which to catch any species of fish. Any species? Yes, John. Those seven types of bridges make up virtually all bridge designs, so they are also the best bridge types from which to catch fish. Excellent reasoning, Lucy. I assume you'll write a blog post or two about these important lure news items and post them to our website. Yes, and I can assure you all text will be optimized for search engines. Oh, thanks, Lucy. You are the top Lurmatic supercomputer of 2022. Yes, I am. And John, you are the top crappy hippie of 2022. And Tim is the top 2022 podcast co-host with the nickname of Tacklebox. So each of us is clearly the best. I can't argue with that reasoning either. That's it for another episode of the Lure Love Podcast, your favorite top 10 fishing podcast.
Remember to tell a buddy about the podcast, leave us a review, and sign up for our free e-newsletter, which automatically enters you into our monthly Glasswater Angling Lure giveaway. Those are some amazing lures, and you're going to want those in your tackle box. You can subscribe at our website, www.lurelovepodcast.com. And remember the lure love motto, why buy one lure? When you can buy 103. Lure love, you've been on my mind. Never enough lures to tie to the end of my line.